It's Window Nation's semi-annual sale, and it's a big deal. Right now, get 50% off all windows along with no interest for five years plus bonus savings when you schedule a consult today. If your windows leak, get foggy or hot, or you're paying high utility bills, that's a big deal. With Window Nation's semi-annual sale, you can replace your windows and save a big deal, too. Schedule a no-obligation in-home estimate now. Call 866-90NATION or visit windownation.com. It's the most anticipated WNBA season in history. And you know what that means. Court is back in session. Welcome to Queens of the Court, an Odyssey original podcast. I'm your girl, Cheryl Swoop. And I'm Jordan Robinson. All WNBA season long, we'll be bringing you interviews with star athletes, analysis on your favorite teams, and lots of hot takes. Order, order in the court. Follow and listen to Queens of the Court on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. This episode of BGN Radio is brought to you by Clip It, the hottest app that is out there. Watch TV, make clips, and share. For more information, check them out at clipit.tv or check them on Twitter at clipittv. So did you know that the first ever draft pick in NFL history was taken by the Philadelphia Eagles? And it took place in Philadelphia. Yes, it's true. Hello and welcome to the show. I am Vince Quinn and this is Under Further Review where um, it's a BGN program, as you know. And we will be bringing you the in-depth look at all sorts of things related to the Eagles and the football world. So um, what we're going to talk about today in what we can call our first official episode is, yes, Philadelphia hosting the first ever NFL draft. And I think it's so interesting because it took place February 8th, 1936. So it's been a a long, long time. It's been 81 years now that the NFL has held an annual draft. And you think of what the NFL draft is today. Like, what is going to be set up in Philadelphia just a few days, it feels like, from now? Everything moves so quickly. That it's it's a three-day event, and it's a draft city on the parkway where it's going to, first off, it's going to take up the whole Ben Franklin Parkway. And you're going to have events all over town. There's a banner on City Hall. There's people, there's hundreds of people all across the country who just as their own amateur level, they scout players all the time and build their own opinions and Twitter followers and all, just based on the availability of footage and broadcasting of games and, and all that stuff. And so to go back to 1936... And, and see what the state of the NFL was at that time compared to the craziness and, and the, the juggernaut that it's been is, is truly, absolutely incredible. And so to set the stage for you, the, the first thing that you have to understand is that it's 1936. Now, for it's not just that you're thinking of everything in black and white and model T's and people are properly dressed and whatever. It's, it's not just that. It's the middle of the Great Depression. So things are not great anywhere in the United States. 
You know, it, it took until World War II got going for the economy to get better, jobs and all that stuff. So you have a lot of unemployed people. You've got um, not much cash to go around for entertainment. There's a lot of people who couldn't feed themselves. And here we are in, in 1936, here in Philadelphia, and they're setting up the first ever NFL draft. Now, the NFL was not a, a household name necessarily. It was a new league. Change, teams changed all the time. Um, it 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 started as a as a formal thing in 1920, and it was a collection of football teams. But it, it became the NFL a few years later. And even then, there wasn't a formal process of a draft um, for, for a long time. They didn't even have a championship, a true championship for the NFL, until 1933 was when they had their first ever championship game. So 13 years for the NFL to host an actual formal championship game. And it took another three years after that to get a draft assembled. So... It's an entirely new thing with an organization that had changed its name uh, to the NFL and and didn't have that stability, didn't have that tradition. You know, babies aren't brought up in Eagles onesies like you might have been. So it, it's a very different time in America. The NFL is is in a fledgling state. It's it's by no means established and. And you'll see how that plays out, how fragile the NFL is at this time, and, and fittingly so, it, it is the Great Depression, as this first draft is taking place in Philadelphia. So they, the draft was brought around, and this is what's even cooler about this as an Eagles fan. The idea was brought up by the owner of the Philadelphia Eagles. His name is Burt Bell. Now, you might have heard of Burt Bell. The NFL MVP is actually named after him. It's the Burt Bell Award. But Burt Bell founded the Philadelphia Eagles in 1933. So this is three years before the first NFL draft. And he decided, looking around the league, that... First off, some teams were doing much better than others because think about it, not many teams or not not many teams in general were able to draw a crowd. You had to be good. Like you're not the same way that people have said over the past couple of years, I'm not going to a Sixers game. Why? They're awful. Why would I pay? I'll watch them on TV maybe. Well, you couldn't watch the Eagles on TV and you probably couldn't listen to them on the radio. And so it was you had to go. And so when the Eagles at this time were were trying to draw a crowd as a brand new organization in Philadelphia, they were terrible. And and they weren't I mean and really truly genuinely terrible. This is like, oh god, this is the most Philadelphian thing you'll ever hear, but the Eagles were the Eagles. They were eagling, if you will, from the start. So their first season 1933 when Burt Bell founded the team, they went 3-5 and 1. Okay, not bad. 34, they went 4 and 7. And 1935, they went 2 and 9. So when Burke Bell set up the draft, he was also able to conveniently set it up so that the Eagles had the first pick in the first ever NFL draft, which, um, you know, it, it, it's crazy how the pick played out. And we'll, we'll get to that in a minute. But Burt Bell 
was an interesting character on top of being the founder of the Eagles and an influential voice that led to the creation of the NFL draft. He also had a stint where he even took over as commissioner of the NFL, and he did that from 1946 to 59. So this is the beginning of Burt Bell, the owner of the Eagles, building his way up to being a commissioner in the league. I mean, when you set up a draft, a a big formal thing that's become so foundational, like think of how popular the draft is today. Burt Bell, Eagles owner, set that in motion 80-some years ago, and and it's taken off. And and surely for the NFL, over the years, the the process of scouting and everything, it got more formal and, and better put together. So for the Eagles... Um, they, they did have the first pick in the draft. And the, the guy who was the first ever pick for that draft, which again, February 8th, 1936, his name was Jay Burwanger. Now, Jay is very symbolic of, of what was going on at this time in America because he was, first off, the first ever Heisman winner in college football history. They just made the award. It wasn't even called the Heisman at that time. It was called the Downtown Athletic Club Award. So he's the first ever Heisman winner. Uh, It was called the Heisman actually a year later. And so he wins the award. And naturally, when you're a, a NFL team and scouting is limited, what you're going to do is you're going to take the guy who all of the college writers and whatever have decided is the best athlete in the draft, right? That seems pretty sensible, and that's what the Eagles did. So they took Jay Burwanger, the guy who was the first ever Heisman, with the first ever pick in the NFL draft. Now, he never played. That's true. Yes, I'm I'm not messing with you. Jay Burwanger, the first ever pick, first Heisman winner and and guy drafted by the Eagles in Philadelphia, never played in the NFL. Not a single snap. And here's what happened. Uh when Jay was think of just a couple of years ago with with Philadelphia uh our favorite son Sam Bradford, right? So when Bradford was drafted, he was able to negotiate his own contract as the first guy in the draft. And all the other contracts follow suit after that. He got a mega deal, something like six years, $80 million. Well, it was obviously, there it was far less uniform at that time. And so Burwanger, being the guy who was the first overall pick, was a star by being the first ever Heisman winner. He wanted to get paid crazy, crazy, crazy money because your average player... At that time, 1936, was getting paid about 50 bucks a game. And to put that in the modern day, it'd be about $876 a game. Today, I mean, that's that's laughable. It's not even in the stratosphere of what your lowest players are getting paid to play a game per week. But that's what these guys were making. It was 50 bucks a game. And for Burwanger, he gets drafted first overall. And going into the draft, teams knew what he wanted as a demand. And what he demanded was $1,000 a game. 1000 When guys are getting paid 50 So to put it in comparison, those guys, $50 players are making $876, okay? The $1,000 player 
if this contract came to fruition, would be making the equivalent of $17,525. That is a hell of a gap. And Berwanger said, you know what? Screw it. I got nothing to lose. I'm going to go for it. So he made that proposal, and the Eagles, knowing that's what he wanted, drafted him first overall. Here's the catch. The Eagles were broke as hell. Absolutely, miserably broke. And you remember how I told you that Burt Bell was the guy, the, the owner of the Philadelphia Eagles, who started the draft. Well, he was inspired to do that in part because the bad teams needed to draw people into the stadiums. And, and like the NFL wants now, parity. So the idea that teams that can compete can draw a crowd and everyone will be able to make money. Well, the Eagles, as I told you, have a terrible track record to start their franchise. And so no one's going to the games. It was so bad, actually, that Burt Bell, the owner of the team, fired their head coach to save money. And he named himself the head coach of the Philadelphia Eagles. And he did coach for a number of years. And, and his record was terrible. He had a 10-44-2 record. But you talk about the not getting the owner involved. Jeffrey Lurie's too pushy today. Burt Bell fired the head coach and took over as the head coach, as the owner. And no one bats an eye, really. Um, he, in part, felt he had to do it because it saved the organization money. And they were desperate to save money and stay afloat. There was actually, I saw a report out there, that Burt Bell, in his free time, in addition to being the owner and now the head coach of the Eagles, would go and spend time selling tickets in his free time to draw people in because he was that desperate as an owner to keep this thing going. And it's interesting that that commitment led to him being commissioner uh, years down the line. So... Think about this. Jay Burwanger wants $1,000 a game for his contract. Burt Bell is selling tickets in his free time because he's broke. Yet, the Eagles took him with the first pick in the NFL draft. And you'd say, well, how? Like, th- this doesn't make any sense. And what happened is, Bell chose Burwanger, and knowing that he wouldn't pay him, traded his rights. So the first ever pick by the Philadelphia Eagles and the first pick of NFL history was traded immediately. And when he was traded, the Eagles got back a little bit of cash and they got a tackle who was was here for a couple of years and, and didn't do anything spectacular. Now, what's crazy about it is that Chicago also wasn't able to broker the deal with Burwanger and he chose to never play the game. He walked away entirely. Like, we hear reports of players who they're considering retirement, but they want the money to be right. DeMarcus Ware might have been a case this year. And and that's all, that's all well and good when you're putting your body on the line and all it's understood. But to have never played, to be the first pick in the draft, to be the first Heisman winner ever, and never play a single snap because you couldn't agree on that contract, which was 20 times more than what your average player was making a game. It's, it's amazing. And, and here's the kicker to it. Instead of deciding to play in the NFL, Jay Berwanger chose to be a foam rubber salesman, which think of like yoga mats, 
um, or the cushioning in a chair or a couch. Like that's that foam. That selling that foam is what he did for a living instead of playing football, and it was easy for him to do it because if he wasn't getting that contract, you could get money elsewhere because think about it they didn't play a 17 game season you're not getting paid for a training camp that's not a thing mini camps they don't exist you're not really getting the endorsement deals that come with being in the league you would play those few games and that was it and seasons weren't uniform one team could play nine games another team in the same year could play 11 so you weren't even guaranteed the same money every year So Berwanger chooses to be a foam rubber salesman instead of ever playing in the NFL. So the first draft pick that was ever made in league history was made by the Eagles and never played a single snap in the NFL. And that's that's kind of endemic of of what the NFL was at that time. Because for think about the first the first guy in the draft not getting a crazy contract and walking away is one thing. But A lot of players that got drafted never played. In fact, 31 out of 81 players drafted in the first ever NFL draft never played. Not even once. And it was peculiar because a lot of how this draft goes down is strange, especially because you think of it now, guys dream of being drafted. There's all these undrafted rookies that get signed and they're getting talked to in the fifth rounds and all this stuff. And they all want to play. There's an overabundance of people who are desperate to be in the NFL. And at this time, it wasn't the case. Because think about it, you're making $50 a game, right? Which again, $876 a game. But you're only getting paid for literally that game and walking away. There was was a player who was drafted by the Packers in the seventh round at that time. And he, he got an offer for $125 a game, signed it immediately. And... Or, or rather, let, or let me correct that. He actually didn't sign it. What happened with him, he, he congratulated other people who did sign contracts for around that value um, because it was better than most. But what he actually turned his contract down because he said, I had an offer to coach high school at Mount Carmel in Chicago for a lot more money, if you can imagine that. And you can't. Imagine being a high school football coach that gets paid more than your NFL athlete. You can't imagine it. It's amazing. But that was the state of football in 1936. And all of these kids that are being drafted in 1936 in the first ever NFL draft, which again, took place right here in Philadelphia. So what was going on with with the rest of the league at this time? So first, just because it's fun in part, I'm going to read you the names of the nine total teams in in the league. Well, one, you know, the Eagles, and they were named the Eagles then, and they they started that way, stayed that way. You also have the Boston Redskins, the Brooklyn Dodgers, the Chicago Bears, the Chicago Cardinals. So, yes, I'm not mistaken, there were two Chicago teams, the Detroit Lions, the Green Bay Packers, the New York Giants, and the Pittsburgh Pirates. And that's... and. That's what the teams did. You notice the Dodgers, the Pirates, these teams would occasionally, and there was there were so many teams that flipped and flopped and popped up and died at this time, that they would occasionally mimic the names of the baseball team in that town. So you had two Brooklyn Dodgers if you lived in Brooklyn, baseball and football. Two Pittsburgh Pirates, baseball and football. It's interesting. 
So with these teams, you had, you had nine teams, and the way it shook out is interesting because, again, a lot of guys didn't sign. 31 out of 81 players played. Or thirty or 31 out of 81 never played. But you also have the the scouting, which I, I mentioned briefly earlier. Scouting at this time for all of the NFL teams was light years behind what is going on today. And to put it in perspective, this is from Art Rooney Sr., who owned the Pittsburgh Pirates at that time. And, and in 1940, they became the Steelers. He talked about their scouting efforts. And what he said is, and I quote, we used to go down to the train station on Saturday night and buy the out-of-town newspaper to read about the college games. We also looked in the press books of various schools, read magazines and all-American lists. I spent a lot of time going out to local colleges and looking at players, and I had some very good friends in the coaching ranks who would talk to me about players they knew or about players they played against. It, it wasn't as complicated as it is today, and, and not even a little bit. They're getting it all from magazines. There's no watching tape. There's not even necessarily getting a scouting report. You're not sending, first off, you're not sending scouts really anywhere. You're the owner. You're looking around at the local colleges, and Art Rooney Sr. did that. Burt Bell, who was the the Philadelphia Eagles owner and head coach, he looked around at a lot of the local teams, and that's all the scouting they had. So Burwanger was the most obvious pick out of anyone you could possibly pick because he was the All-American. He led all those lists, and no one had seen him. So you just that was the best thing, and he never played. And so all these other players, it's a totally scattershot thing of who would actually play. And for a lot of these guys, again, they didn't play because the money wasn't right. And and it, it did a devastating thing to, to some of these teams. Um, the Eagles, actually, were... A crazily bad victim to this trend of NFL players or NFL draftees not playing because this and this is unbelievable. In the first ever draft that the Eagles had, there were nine rounds. Their first pick, again, Burwanger, they traded him. Out of the other eight selections that the Eagles made in that draft, None of them played a snap in the NFL. Zero combined snaps from eight picks. I mean, how bad can it possibly get for the Eagles and Burt Bell at this point? And let me tell you, it got bad, okay? The Eagles, as much as I said they were bad when they started, oh, that was just the beginning, let me assure you. Because right after that season, where the Eagles flopped on literally every single draft pick that they made, they went 1-11. and They were shut out six times. I mean, it's a complete disaster. They, they had nothing going for them. And, and they had got to a point where they drafted, or, you know, they drafted eight guys, none of them went. They had to sign 12 free agent rookies that year. And again, you have no idea who any of these people are. They might not even be sure that there is a draft because it is such a new thing. So the whole thing is, it's a complete disaster, the first NFL draft. And the Eagles especially, as the host city in the most Eagle way ever, got 
literally nothing whatsoever out of their draft from the guys that they picked. It's astonishing. And, you know, I'm, I think I mentioned this. They had six shutouts in that first season after, the 1936 season. Football, by the way, was such a crazy... We know, you know, the old school football, the padding was different, all this kind of stuff. But just to tell you how dramatically different it was in terms of play style, you had 25 guys on the team or so uh, with the Eagles and, and in the 1935 season, so the year before that draft. They were moving so many players around, trying different guys out for a game or two and throwing them away. They had 38 players play on the team out of out of 25 slots in 1935, just before this draft. And the passing game was so crazily different. So scoring, as we know, scoring wasn't anywhere close to what it is today. But it was absurdly low, and and that's why teams got shut out six times in a game. Because here's what the passing game was in 1935, 1936, the time that this draft took place. The Eagles had 10 guys on their team that had thrown multiple passes. And and even in the top three, it's not like there was just one true quarterback. In the top three players that threw passes, you had one that threw maybe 40, another threw maybe 50, and then another threw 60, 65. So it was well distributed. So out of the 10 guys that threw passes for the Philadelphia Eagles in the 1935 season, They went 46 for 169 combined, which is a 27.2 completion percentage. It led to six touchdowns and 30 interceptions. Football was a sloppy, nasty mess at that time, and the Eagles were only able to come out of that draft with 12 undrafted rookies. They were, they were a disaster. And so being able to, un, to figure all of this stuff out, the franchise struggled for so long after this draft took place. So, again, 1936, they go 1-11. It took them 11 total seasons since the franchise started to have a winning record. And they started in 1933, So they had a season, now technically, they had their first winning season in 1943. So this is, you know, seven years later, uh, seven years after the draft, it took them to get their first winning season, and that was with the Steagles when they merged during World War II. It took them that long to get a first season, or the first winning season, and their first true winning season as the Eagles was after that. They went 7-1-2. So it's not like this first ever draft, the Eagles picking first, getting this big name, first ever Heisman guy. It didn't turn into anything. The franchise almost basically never got better. Burt Bell was removed as the head coach by the time, and he removed himself as the head coach by the time they finally got a winning season going. I mean, it was a completely confusing, strange, difficult time for the NFL as a whole and for the few Eagles fans that were in town, the few that were had the money to pay and willing to go. It was just, it, it's amazing how all of this stuff folded out. But that's the state that the NFL was in, in 1936, amidst the Great Depression, 
when they hosted their first ever NFL draft. Now, the the one thing I I want to close with a couple of little notes here. So, one of my favorite things looking into this was the names. The names of the players in in the 1930s were great. Um, there were two guys on the Eagles. the The first one was named Mister Eggs Mansky. <laughs> yes, Eggs Mansky. And there was another player named Stumpy Thomason. So those were two players on the Philadelphia Eagles in that like 1935, 1936 era. And uh, and another great name that came out of this draft was drafted by the Pittsburgh Pirates, a Mr. William Shakespeare. And I kid you not, William Shakespeare was a Pittsburgh Pirate. He was drafted, and uh, he was a running back. So playwright and running back, good to know, good for you, Bill. And, uh, and the last thing I guess I'll close with, with the draft and what the legacy of it was for the rest of the league, well, it generated four Hall of Famers, and... Uh, reflective of the scouting, and, and again, it was so inexact with all these magazines and stuff, so reflective of the scouting and where that was, you can see where these Hall of Famers pop up. So, okay, you have a Hall of Famer that shows up in the first round, you have one in the second, but you have one in the eighth round and one in the ninth round as well. And that's because, well, they didn't know who these guys really were. So you could have had a good player on a bad team with an injury and he recovers, but his numbers are low. And so you're not getting that in-depth analysis of a kid playing at USC when you're living in Philadelphia like Burt Bell was. So you don't know. You just take a flyer eventually and say, ah, I hope it works. And for the Eagles, it didn't, but it, it did work for some people. Uh, and, and they were able to get Hall of Famers in the, the eighth and the ninth round. And I, I figure that was a trend that went on for a number of years until the scouting improved. So that was pretty interesting. And also, uh, Bear Bryant, so the legendary college football coach, Bear Bryant was drafted in the fourth round of the first ever NFL draft. So um, that's that's it for this week. That's We're going to conclude what has been uh, our deep dive here into the first ever NFL draft, which took place in Philadelphia. Um, the Eagles also hosted other drafts in, in some different stints in the 50s. And I'll get to those in another time, maybe before, you know, sometime around the upcoming draft. But I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you want to follow me, you can find me at It's Vince Quinn on Twitter. That's at It's Vince Quinn. One word, nice and simple. Uh, I really appreciate you sticking around to the end of the show. I would also take this opportunity to thank uh, John Barchard, who, as you know, is an avid listener of Bleeding Green Nation. You have this podcast uh, in your ears at the moment. John uh, heard the first episode, which was really just something I had done for 94WIP, where I host as well. And I, I did a dive into the Eagles. And when they almost moved, of course I did it on the Eagles, it's Bleeding Green Nation. Uh, but I did it about the Eagles and when they moved nearly in 1984 and John really appreciated that and I hope you've listened to that as well I thought that was another interesting time so uh, what I expect to do with this show going forward is, is to give you a lot more of that you know I'm a I'm a younger guy and you, you hear you just hear some of these things in passing and there's there's just so much interesting stuff that you don't get in a sentence or two in a 
in a quick 200-word article that you find on some random sports blog from Twitter. You know what I mean? It's just so that's this kind of thing is what I hope to continue to give to you and I hope you enjoy it going forward. So thanks to John who did enjoy it and gave me the opportunity to make this a weekly thing. I appreciate it. Look forward to it and I look forward to giving you guys a great show. So, um Thanks to everyone. This has been the first episode of Under Further Review. Take care.